You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Season 2, Episode 11, New Kadampa Tradition. There is a prediction that there will come a time when Buddha's teachings will flourish throughout the world. With the emergence of modern Kadampa Buddhism, this time is right here and now. This historical expansion reflects the universal compassion that lies at the heart of Buddhism. Buddha's teachings are concerned with the happiness and freedom of all living beings. They are relevant to everyone, regardless of their nationality, situation, gender, age, class or culture. Modern Kadampa Buddhism emphasizes the practical application of Buddha's teachings to modern daily life. At a time when the world is facing seemingly insurmountable problems, and people are increasingly overwhelmed and insecure, modern Kadampa Buddhism offers actual solutions to human problems, providing people throughout the world with a profound and attainable vision of happiness and world peace. You've been listening to a promotional video for the New Kadampa Tradition, which is a Buddhist sect that operates around the world. And my guests today will share their story about being a part of the group and living in an intentional community within the group and how and why they got out. Welcome to Michelle Haslam. Michelle, what can you tell us about the basic beliefs of the New Kadampa Tradition? Basic belief obviously is that enlightenment is possible and that that would be your ultimate aim and that involves a belief that we should be able to achieve a permanent state of happiness and so a lot of their advertising and their materials uses the word happiness um, all the time So uh, the trouble with that is that even though clearly most people haven't achieved enlightenment, if you do indeed believe that is a thing, um, they still believe that they should be happy all the time or aiming to be happy all the time. So what that really means is that there's a lot of spiritual bypassing of emotional pain and trauma and sadness and anger so they believe that you should be able to transform negative minds into positive minds or more virtuous minds and a virtuous mind is a state of mind where you're concentrating on an aspect of one of the teachings which is in line with the belief system 
of their leader, Kelsang Yetso. All of the teachings basically come from this premise that you should be training your mind to focus on your intention to be patiently accepting all experiences and transforming suffering and painful experiences into the path to enlightenment by considering them your teacher and helping you um, towards your ultimate goal and then you could also help all living beings to achieve that same state of enlightenment. What do we know about the history of the group? Yeah, so um, it's quite complex and I'm not the most qualified person to speak about the whole history. Um, but um, what I do know is that Kelsang Yatso came to England in 1991, apparently, um, to set up this um, branch of Buddhism which has called itself modern Buddhism. It's packaged as accessible and understandable by modern Western people, although I would challenge that idea. And the first centre was in the UK, um, in the Lake District, and it very quickly spread um, because one of its main aims is expansion. And um, they have many centres now. I don't know exactly how many. They claim to have thousands, but there are people who say that those claims are massively exaggerated. Things started, as far as I'm aware, there were more um, books by other Buddhist authors um, in the bookshops. And Kelsang Yatso um, banned those books from the bookshop. And so... Um, it became more and more sectarian and cut off from other streams of Buddhism. So now it's it's known as a very a highly sectarian form of Buddhism where they primarily worship Kelsang Yatso and not Buddha. How did you become involved in the Nukadampa tradition? Well, I had quite a lot of different vulnerability factors. Um, but I was, I'd just moved back to the UK, it was 2015, and I was um, a, in a transition period, which is often what makes people more vulnerable to being drawn into a group, as I'm sure you know already. And I was looking for friendship um, and connection and, and meaning, and um, I wasn't finding that so easily in the town where I was living. I'd also lived in an intentional community in the past and found it uh, had lots of benefits and I wanted to live in another intentional community but I had the idea that a Buddhist intentional community would be full of people who were taking more personal responsibility um, and would be sort of perhaps even kinder than average um, or more thoughtful than average and I had lots of positive um, prejudice towards Buddhism. I um, didn't know much about cultic environments and I thought that meditation 
um, had lots of benefits because of the mindfulness movement and because of my training as a psychologist where that's introduced to us. And then there's lots of people who would argue that mindfulness, mindfulness alone is not enough because you could be a mindful psychopath. And, um, you know, um, you could be in a very effective person who uses mindfulness, but you might not have ethics. And so studying Buddhism would be much more virtuous thing to do, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, all of those things uh, made me move in um, to a centre. Plus, at the time, I was a bit heartbroken and struggling with low mood. And I, um, that was what prompted me to move in at that exact time um, because I felt like I needed a sense of community which prompted me um, to do it quite quickly without doing lots of research, without fully understanding what I was getting myself into. How do you become involved? Is it taking a course? Is it attending a seminar? Is it a conference weekend? Yeah, so most people will go along to what's called a general program class, which is once a week um, in an evening, a couple of hours long. And it will usually start with just a, a general introduction um, to... Um, the ideology and a bit of breathing meditation. It's all quite careful and deliberate in that they don't sort of, there is a brief prayer at the beginning of every class, but um, the, the general program classes are marketed as tools for handling stress, worry, um, depression, um, so they claim that they understand mental health, which they don't. And they also sort of draw on the mindfulness movement to bring people in. And they tend not to mention the more magical thinking aspects or their beliefs on emptiness um, or anything that might be a bit more, a bit, a bit sort of off-putting for newcomers. They don't tend to mention that in those um, beginners classes. And then you can come along to empowerments, which are transmission um, of particular deities uh, so that you can practice something that's called a sadhana practice. So prayers um, and also um, self-generation as a Buddha. Um, which you can go along to um, as anyone. You don't have to have been along before. And then they have festivals as well, which most people wouldn't attend a festival unless they've been around a little while or have friends that are within the tradition. And then some people, once they've gone to the general classes, they move on to something called Foundation Programme, which is a lot more... There's a lot more talk about, you know, rebirth in a hell realm if you don't follow your teacher's guidelines um, and a lot more um, magical thinking and, um, yeah, um, guru yoga, which is not 
included in the general program classes. How far did you get in your study? I only went to sort of five or six of the general program classes before I moved in to a centre. And I didn't really pick up on any warning signs at that time, or perhaps I had blind spots. Um, and then once I moved in, classes were included in your rent, so you could go to whatever you wanted and you didn't have to pay. So I quite quickly went to the, one of the foundation program classes, which I never felt comfortable in um and now i understand all the reasons why um but at the time you're just told that whatever class you end up going to that it was your karma to have found that particular class so if you feel anxious or unsettled or alarmed by anything that you hear um you're just kind of told that that's your karma so nobody supports you in understanding um it well and there's no mentorship or anything like that. So you could go along to a class, and I did this, where they contemplate the emptiness of the body or the emptiness of the self quite quickly with sort of no prior mindfulness practice. Um, and although their teachings are marketed as meditation, you could argue that they're actually better described as hypnosis. So I didn't realise that until I left and realised I was actually quite heavily indoctrinated, um, that actually it was more like hypnosis. So they only really practice an initial 10 minutes of breathing meditation, which is designed to to put you in a more relaxed state before they focus on the doctrine. And then um, their contemplation meditation, you just focus on um, an aspect of the teaching. And so I was doing this maybe, I was living in a centre, but I was doing going to a class maybe only once or twice a week because I worked full time outside of the centre and I had, you know, other things going on in my life. Whereas some people um, would be sort of quite engulfed in the group and wouldn't have access to public transport or a job outside. So some people would be praying once or maybe more than once a day um, according to their particular prayers, um, which focus on ensuring the long life of Kelsang Gyatso, um, asking to receive blessings in order to help you in your spiritual path. Um, yeah, praying for the protection of, the, of their dharma. Um, so I didn't do as much of that as, as some people would. And I sort of tried, I tried a bit of everything, but never fully got sort of heavily involved, which I imagine some people would use to say that that's why things didn't work out for me. Um, because, <laughs> because people often say that, you know, it's because you, you didn't have good enough concentration or you didn't have enough faith or you didn't persevere enough with one particular sort of path. I wouldn't, I, w I wouldn't say I was a true believer. Like a lot of the people had, you know, chosen to live there in order to completely devote themselves. So I wouldn't count myself as one of those people, but I 
it did affect me and I did become although I wasn't an avid follower of Kelsan Gyatso and I didn't experience what I would now call sort of a state of infatuation or fervor with him I still did experience this towards some of the teachings um, so even though I didn't see him as my guru and I had some concerns about the sectarian nature of the NKT, I still became partially indoctrinated. To unlock the rest of this episode, visit patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. It's only $5 to unlock over 20 hours of content.